So how are y'all today? Let me ask you, were you just glued to the TV the last few days? Maybe you got caught in the rain and you turned on a political Capitol Hill program and you just got stuck there. If you weren't, man, you've been blessed. <laughs> but I've been thinking about what all this means. What does truth mean? How do you understand whose truth is right? What do you expect out of the leaders of our country? Is it all about politics? Or is it about the nation? Is it about a larger community? Is it about something greater than ourselves? How do we, as Christians, live in a world that has become so polarized, so antithetical to what real truth is? How do we do it? Well, I was planning to preach from another text, but it just didn't seem right this week. So we are going to a Psalm of David, Psalm 19. I'd like you to find that. And, and even the church, our scholars, our interpreters have viewed this as independent. Three kind of topics about God that really relate to each other, but they're not necessarily tied. So if you follow electionary, which some of you do in your background, you will know that today's lectionary text uses this psalm, but it only uses the latter half. If you don't know what that means, ask me about it later, I'll tell you. But we're going to look at the whole thing, because these three speeches, these three verses, these three hymns, speak about something that we so desperately need today as believers, as followers of God. They speak about the Creator's majesty, about our revelation of Scripture, and about our responsibility. So if you will join with me, I'll start in verse 1. It tells us this, it tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. These voices, this, who, sorry, whose voice is not heard? Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. And like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the ends of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous and altogether more to be desired than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than the honey and the drippings of a honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocence from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. 
Let them not be, let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. Let the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That last verse is a prayer that I have today. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And so if you are troubled by the state that our country has found itself in, and you don't know what to do, you don't know who to believe, who to trust, if you are sure one minute, and then you are hear the news and you're still sure and you're you're troubled by why the other side just doesn't understand do they not hear the same testimony because i watch those two testimonies i watch the news broadcast and the commentators i actually switch back and forth between fox and cnn now that is interesting to do (laughs) but they saw the same things i did they heard the same words that i heard And their takeaways were different. Now some of the ones who tried to see both sides, they saw something unique. They saw that each side won and each side lost. That we are no step forward in this process of finding a new Supreme Court judge than we were the day before. We are hindered by what we want to believe. We want the evidence to support the truth that we've already found. So how do we live as Christians in a world that's so divided to only support the ones that agree with you? Well, let's put ourselves in perspective. I love those two images that I showed in the children's message. The one of chalk. How many of you guess that's what it was? I don't see many hands up. We got some that have studied these kind of things under microscope. But isn't it amazing on a microscopic level how God's handiwork is displayed? When David penned these words, when he offered this song, this prayer, up to his creator, he was unaware of how great his God truly was. He could only see what his eyes could see. He could only see the beauty of a sunset. Now, did you hear those words? Was it not... David describing West Texas for you. Can't escape the heat of that sun as it travels across the sky. Who works outside for a living? Few of you do. When we have those August days, those dog days of summer, it doesn't seem like there's anywhere to go outside to get out of that heat. We have to go to an artificial environment that is air-conditioned to just escape a little bit of its rays. Under shelters, under tents that we have created to escape. And then we get the price of our power bill and we realize there was no escape from the heat of this sun. But it describes the majesty of a sunrise. You know, I live on the west side of town so I don't get too many sunrises. We get a lot of sunsets, though. Have you ever sit there and watch? Maybe not even here. Maybe you're on vacation at a beach when there's more horizon than there's anything else to block its path. But the sun does something amazing, doesn't it? At a time, it seems like it's at war with the darkness. It just barely peaks. There's just a seemingly small glow. 
But then the colors start coming through. The fireworks start going off. And if there's a little bit of haze or dust in the sky, it starts to dance. Just like those rays on that camera lens. When that space probe took a picture of Earth so many miles away. The sun starts to dance across the sky. And as the battle rages between night and day, something beautiful happens in between. And then there's light. And then there's heat. And we get about our day. But we start it with great wonder and awe at the beauty of God's hand. And every day God faithfully does this, in seasons and out. There's different parts of our globe that will have daylight 24 hours a day. I can't fathom. It's about as bad as having the nights 24 hours a day. Because you lose the beauty of God's creation. You feel its heat and its warmth and you can get work done. But it is in the transition of what God has put in front of us that we find His beauty. And that's what we are. We're in transition. We have received the Word. We have received the, the enlightenment, the rules, the instructions of God. We have been given the Son in order that we may read it. God has won the victory by sending Jesus Christ to be born of a virgin, to live a sinless life, and to lay it down for us for the sins that we have committed, to be that perfect sacrifice that one will atone a sinful people to a holy God. We find that in the scriptures. We find that in the testimony of the saints. And we feel it when we call on Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior. And the power of the Holy Spirit dwells in our heart forever. But we're not yet there. We're in that transition time. The devil is still on the loose. He is still at war against our souls. Day in and day out, he looks for a way to get in. And many times we let him. He looks for a way to steer us from the gospel truth. And many times we let him. Because we are unaware that he's even there. So it says the law of the Lord is perfect. This word for law is repeated each time. A different descriptor. A different way of stating it. This Torah is the word that is described. This teaching is a word that is described. This comes from the lips and the hand and the pen of David. It is sung by those who followed their Lord, their God. And it is repeated. Because we don't live in this world where we only see the Creator through His creation. You know, many have come into this world and even from Christian homes or other backgrounds and saw such beauty in God's work and such evil that is present in the church around them that they gave up on the gathering. They gave up on the assembly and said, you know, I can find God in that sunset that I described or a perfect laid shot on the golf course or a fish biting on the pond. All these kind of things, we can find God's beauty, and we can. But we can't find God. We find the generic form of God, which it refers to in these verses. In Hebrew, it's El, which means God. It is the same word when we describe the gods of Baal. 
and all these other languages in the Old Testament. It is the word for God, but it isn't the word for our God. It is the creator of all, but it doesn't tell us who that creator is. For there was a time during David's day when that son that he describes was worshipped as a god. Down in Egypt in their time there, those Egyptians worshipped the sun gods. And others all around them in this area that they grew worshipped a god because that is what they saw. But that is not who God is. For God didn't just leave us alone. He intervened in history over and over again. He called out a people so that they may be the bearers of this law, this word, this testament. So that they may see who he really is. That he, they may call him back from the time back in the beginning where our relationship was severed. Because when given the chance, we chose ourselves in a sinful path. And it separated us from a holy and righteous God. But God took a group of slaves. And he pulled them out of their captivity. And he taught them. And he led them. Even when they did not understand, he provided for them in those wilderness days. He settled them in a good land. But they failed to complete their task. Because they were weak. Because they hadn't fully submitted to his lordship. And over the history he sent prophets to bring them back to the path that he called them to be. And they would for a time. But then they would fail. Because they weren't perfect yet. And over and over again throughout their history he pointed to a plan. A plan that would lead to Christ. A plan that was talked about through all this testimony. And that was fulfilled in the presence of the disciples. In the presence of those who had been the children of God. And it called all of God's creation in. It called those who did not know. Who worshipped those sun gods. Because they knew something in creation was special. That there was something greater than themselves. And he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus for us. So that we may be redeemed. That we may find a true relationship with God that we hadn't found before. And he gave us this law. He gave us this teaching. He gave us something that indeed is perfect. But it is not a set of do's and don'ts. Many have treated it that way over the years. Us Baptist folks have treated it that way over the years. We, look like, we looked at it to a recipe for the moral judge of our society. And many of us still do. That if you commit certain sins, you can't be part of us. Because you're just too filthy to come in God's presence. But what this law does, this perfect law does, it exposes the evilness of our hearts and the need of a redeemer, the need of a savior. It is his instructions on how to live. Under the law by itself, the Apostle Paul says over and over again, it ex exposes the sins in our life. But the righteousness from the law is only perfect, is only righteous if we can commit every one of them the way they are written. But if we fail at just the slightest one, we are guilty of them all. He said that is not the righteousness that God revealed to us in the Scripture. It is the righteousness that comes from faith. 
in believing in the testimony, in believing in its precepts. It is a righteousness that comes from a faith of Jesus Christ. Something that is greater than yourself. Something that you have to humbly accept. Because we are strong-willed people, especially us in this Western mindset. We want to get things done. We want to get it our way. That's what makes this so hard. We don't earn this gift. We're not special enough on our own merit to gain salvation. What we are are sinners. For each and every one of us have failed to live up to the commands of God. And the psalmist even says, There are some things in my life that I'm not even aware of that I do. There are things in my life that I know is wrong. That's how each and every one of us are. If we think we're perfect, we are living in ignorance. But it is through the law that we had learned that we can rejoice because we have a creator who has a plan for us. That our souls can be revived because this dark, evil world has hammered down on us day and night. That we can see clearly that we can live this clean and enduring life forever. It's much better than all the gold in the world, than all the refined gold, the precious silvers and diamonds that we can find. It is a free gift. It is treasured here in these words. It has been preserved throughout the ages. Just think about how marvelous it was for this book to reach this place in front of us today. He called out a people who for many years remembered the stories by telling their children. They would set up stones at rivers and at certain spots. And when their kids asked, Daddy, what are those stones there? They would teach their children about what God has done. How God had delivered them. And then it was written down. And it was carried through dark times, even for the Israelites. They had a golden era where everything was right for them. Their, their government was strong. Their pocketbooks were full. But yet, it was the infighting in their own nation that drove a wedge between them. They lost sight of the God who came to be their ruler and called on humans to do that. For even the best among us are imperfect. It went through a time where we thought the nation was lost forever. Made it through the exile. Through the period of the Roman occupation. Through the early days of the church where the Jewish body who believed that what the way was, what the Jesus Messiah was, was wrong. Who tried to squelch it, who tried to deny that it even existed who at their best tried to eradicate this heresy that they saw. It survived that. And it flourished. And it gained strength. And it became the world's religion. But when it became the world's religion, it became about power and control. And even in the darkest days of our church, where our leaders were lost to the sins of ambition, it survived. 
it made it through. And every now and then in in archaeological finds, we find documents that go back further than the oldest copies we have of this treasured book. And you know what we find? We find the accuracy of what we have. There were those who were called by God to preserve this text so that we may have it today. That would bring it here as a gracious gift of mercy. Because without it, how do we live? We can see God's beauty in nature, but it doesn't call us to live in a certain way. We can study nature and decide how to do best practices and energy use and and things like that, but it doesn't tell us how to be fathers, wives. Children, employers, us. But these words do. They may not answer every question that we have, but they give us the tools that we can discern God's will in it. Because we weren't left empty-handed. We were given the testimonies. We were given this precious gift, but we were also empowered with the Spirit. That was a gift to the community of faith. But it is not in just seeing who God is in nature. It is not just seeing who God is and understanding the instructions. But it turns to us. It turns to our servant's heart. They warn us that we are not perfect. That we will fall. They help us decide when we have errors. When we have our own faults. But they also let us teach us to be humble they teach us that what we believe in our finite abilities cannot compare to the knowledge we will find when we enter eternity enter in the presence of God's infinite grace for there are things hidden in our hearts that we have been pre-programmed by our culture to believe to understand it is only when we let God peel those layers away That we can truly be his servant. That we can truly come to him. What is grace? How do you define grace? For this is what this sermon is about. This is what these texts are about. It is about God's grace for humanity. It is revealed in his beauty. It is revealed in his word that is carried through these scriptures. It is what we feel when we turn our burdens to Him. It is grace because we don't deserve it. It is a gift. It is mercy that we didn't earn. That's what this word is. That's why it is important to us, us Baptists, us people of the book. Because it is God's record of grace to humanity. If you read this book... You may be be like me, turning on the news. Why didn't God just wipe them out? Because if he did, we'd have been with them. Have you ever seen those church signs that have the, the quirky little sayings? There's one that I always think of late summer. It said, Noah, why didn't you swat that mosquito? Because if God did what he should have done, we wouldn't be here today. 
we'd have been annihilated because we are at enemies at him just like those across the street just like those in our nation those on the different side of the aisle are enemies of God not enemies of us the devil is using both sides of the argument to drive a wedge into our country a country that is founded on Christian values and principles but our government is not God just as David was not God for the people of Israel he may have been a spokesman a leader that God had put in place but he wasn't the ultimate answer the ultimate answer is only found in the grace of Jesus Christ so as you read these words the only way to read them is using the lens of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and the grace that he offers it is a book of enormous value you can't be paid a high enough price to trade it in because we are finite creatures until Jesus Christ returns we have expiration dates we only have so many days that we are given and we're not perfect so what do we do when the world is at odds we fall down on our knees and we accept the grace that is given to us we remember that there are errors in our own heart when people hate us because of our beliefs we don't just proudly puff up our chest and say well it's just because they're not as Christianly as me we humbly fall to our knees and ask God to give us the discernment that it's God to lead us to reveal the errors in our own hearts so that we may be his children because there is a devil on the loose and he's wanting to drive us away the only way for this country to get back on the footing that God has placed us on is if we come together those who believe and those who don't so how do we do that do we do it by using this book as a hammer and driving our moral values into everyone whether they believe them or not or do we see the humanity of those who have not found Jesus not found the grace that we have and that we try to show them the beauty of God that they can see in a sunset that we have been given in our hearts that is the only way we're ever going to come together as a nation is if we stop using this book as a hammer of those who don't agree with us and we start using it as the grace offered to all what does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This isn't something that we keep selfish. This isn't something that we hoard. This is something that we share to even those we call enemies. Please join with me in a word of prayer. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this gift of grace that you have given us in the words of Scripture. Lord, burden our hearts that each day as we wake, that we will feel the heat of your light on our fates, and we will treasure the words in our hearts that you have left us through the centuries, that you let us be the Christians, the followers of you that you have called us to be. 
that we find a righteousness that is founded purely in faith. And this message, this gospel, this good news of grace is something that we share with those even that would deny us, that would be our enemies, that would persecute us. Because you are the only cure for this evil world that we live in. It is in your name we pray. Amen.